Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Autism, the podcast brought to you by two autism mums and lifelong friends. I'm Michelle and this is... Christelle. <laughs> Why are you interrupting me, Christelle? So sorry, I was just so eager to get in there, Mish. <laughs> You're eager to get us finished because it's so late at night we're recording. We're doing late night recordings today. How's your week been? For me... It's been a tiring one. I'm, I don't know if I've come down with something on what this week. Do you know what it was like? Because I do usually have a sneaky nap before lockdown. I'd have a little sneaky nap halfway through the afternoon when the kids were asleep. Like, yes, just a little hour power nap. And I'll tell you what, Christelle, when we first started lockdown, that was brutal. Anyway, I got through it. I was strong, Christelle. I got through it. I thought, right, let's sit. There ain't no, there ain't no rooms for nap here. We're in lockdown. So we got through it. And then all of a sudden, this week... Bam! It was like all those naps I've missed for the last twelve weeks <laughs> accumulated <laughs> hit me in one like, bam! This is how tired you should feel because you ain't napped for twelve weeks. And <laughs> I, I tell you, it's been a struggle this week, an absolute struggle. But yeah. you know what I did do? I went socialising. Don't, don't, don't worry. I wouldn't go out, you know, painting the tan red or anything like that. <laughs> I just went out, saw me mum and dad. And my granddad, all socially distanced. And it was like the energy that it took to be social drained my soul. Well, you have been deprived of it for for a while now. (laughs) But I guess guess it's understandable. Yeah, I think as well, I think it was kind of like it was a social, socialising hangover. So the next day, even... Like my son was a little bit out of sorts and we had a really hard day Monday, to be honest. You had a hard day? Yeah, Monday was quite hard. And as I say, I think it was just this, I think it's probably where everything would change routine. All of a sudden, we'd gone back to being socialising with family members and things like that. And I think my son found that quite difficult, even though he loves, loves, loves spending time with his nan and granddad. I just think it's sort of all built up. Do you know what I mean? Like as a change of routine again, isn't it? But how's your week gone? Week's been okay, ups and downs, but I just see it as, you know, as long as we're alive, it's a good week. Obviously, the weather's up and down as well. I'm always talking about the weather. Maybe I'm in my corner as a... You're so British. (laughs) It's been an okay week. I started trying to do my healthy living, you know, um, and exercising and stuff. Oh, yeah. I do find that hard um, since since I've had children, just finding the time and energy to do that has been really hard, but I've kind of just committed to it this week. And um, I've just dumped all the quick fixes in terms of dieting and stuff. I don't believe in it anymore. I've just had to change of mind of just trying to be healthier and eat healthier, but that doesn't mean that I deprive myself of everything else, but I just don't go over the top when I'm wanting something with sugar or something. And I feel like that mindset is so much better. I feel much happier and less under pressure. So, yeah, I've just been trying to get back to me. Get back to me, not just mummy, Christelle, you know? The real Christelle. The real me. You know the real me. The real me. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean, though, Christelle. It is hard, isn't it? We've got so many pressures as parents and then the added pressures as autism parents. But you've still got those old school pressures as well of wanting you know wanting to look nice wanting to be healthy do you know what I mean those things are always there they're not going to go away and together all of this you know I, I think I'm definitely one to put too much pressure on myself on my diet and what I'm eating and how much exercise I did a lot of exercise as you know 
growing up when I was into sort of adulthood, I've always exercised a lot and not being able to have that exercise through lockdown is so hard. So like you, I've started the sort of exercise regime indoors. And mm. yeah, I think if you just do little, you know, me and you was talking even today, weren't we, about the sport we did. I think if you grow up and you are really into your sport as well, that sort of carries on. Christelle, you were the high jump champion at our school. I was, I was the high jump champion. And obviously you, you were really good at running me, so I just remember when we used to do um, the bleep test. And swimming. <laughs> yeah, and very good at swimming. And Can't triple jump. swimming. Oh, okay, okay. Stop <laughs> um, when we used to do the, do the bleed test, I remember, I think we, in our school, you had to get to level six. If you didn't get to level six, you'd have to start again. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, but I always used to make sure as soon as I got to level six, yeah, I was out, 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 out. But you, <laughs> you kept going. I remember when you used to get to like level 11, I used to be looking at you like, oh my goodness, like how does this girl do it? But you're just a beast when it comes to fitness. Um, it's competition. So, yeah. So I think, yeah, when you're coming from that kind of background, we're both coming from that kind of sporting background. I think I've really struggled a lot as a mother um, just to be happy in my own skin. And yeah. I think it just, it took a while for me to accept that my body might not go back to the way it was pre having children um i mm. never really got to terms with that you know i always every time i was trying to exercise and you know lose weight i always just think about my image before i gave birth you know and my husband used to say why do you do that and why why do you compare yourself to people who haven't had kids and or people who have had kids you know your body's changed you've changed and it's nothing to be ashamed of the more i get that into my mind the more um i'm happier so i'm just yeah i'm just getting to that place of just being a healthier version of myself not putting too much pressure on myself no definitely and as i say we've got enough pressures haven't we so we need to just give ourselves a break Give yourself a break. Have a kick. <laughs> no, half of it, maybe just one kick out, not ten. No. But, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so today we've got Becky coming on to talk to us about PDA, PDA autism. Don't you remember? Uh, no yes, more too far. Lisa. Yes, a few weeks ago, yeah, uh, yeah. We, Lisa was on a few weeks ago, and she touched on it. So it will be really interesting to just go delve into it a little bit more, find out a bit more about it, and educate ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Okay, let's speak to Becky. Okay, and welcome in onto Let's Talk Autism. All the way from Instagram, we have Becky from PDA Bubble. Hello, Becky. Hi. Hello. So good of you to join us. I know we've had to really shuffle about our times. Christelle and I definitely said that when we started this autism and additional educational needs podcast that it was going to be a bit tricky because autistic children just run on their own time scales really, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they don't go to sleep early. 
no that's right and whereas my children sometimes do obviously they want our attention a lot so just great that you could find the time to come and speak to us today now becky we had somebody on a couple of weeks ago no more to four she came on from instagram and told us a little bit about her little girl that has autism but also had pda now your little girl also is autistic and pda isn't she yeah that's right yeah could you tell us a little bit about what PDA is because Christelle and I both I had heard of it and Christelle hadn't but just tell us a little bit about what PDA is yeah so basically it's a profile within the autistic spectrum it has a lot of similarities with autism but there's sort of like some overlap with like other conditions yeah so like in a nutshell and anxiety driven need to be in control and that can be of anything and everything from what you're going to eat to allowing yourself to go to the toilet or not or dropping off to sleep at night to not wanting to do a piece of writing because you can't get it perfect the first time so basically it's just being very very anxious about everything so when did you first realize that your child was autistic and then when did the pda come into it or was it all at the same time different times no i think my story is quite extreme because my little girl had quite a sort of tough start she was born prematurely and wasn't very well when she was born so it was kind of there was always something not quite right quite from an early age she was sort of under the doctor because of the feeding problems and then when I tried to go back to work when she was nearly a year old there was an on-site sort of nursery and I put her in there and sort of straight away she just didn't really settle and yeah I kept trying and thinking it was me but it didn't really work out and she became more and more withdrawn and didn't want to socialise with any of the other children. So did they say to you, we think there's something, you know, that there might she might be autistic or was it something you'd uh, already started to notice? Well, this is the thing. A lot of parents kind of have like their own sort of gut instinct, but I think I didn't. I just kind of blamed it on myself and the nursery um, didn't ever mention autism. They just basically blamed my parenting and just said that I was too soft and get quite upset about coming and she'd sort of like scream herself sick in the car she'd um get herself so wound up at nursery she'd get a temperature so they'd phone me and sort of say you're gonna have to come pick her up and then as soon as we got out the building she'd like giggle and laugh at me as if to say like ha ha fooled them I just wanted to come home so is that all part of the PDA yeah they're good sort of actor and actresses they're very good at role play and like mimicking kind of like mannerisms and they're very sort of single-minded like to get their own way how difficult was that on you not having the support of the nursery and how did it affect you and is it just you and Elle or are there other siblings I've only got the one because she's been quite high maintenance it's been quite difficult I think PDA children are quite demanding I know some people that do have more than sort of like one autistic child in the family but I just I don't know how they cope because I find it hard just to cope with one because she is very demanding but yeah she's seven now it was it wasn't great because I just sort of internalized a lot of the stuff and just thought because that was like her first time mum I'm like oh well I'm obviously just not very good and not doing it very well I didn't really question that there might be something wrong with her 
until maybe she was about two. I just thought, thought maybe I've got a hard one. <laughs> Difficult when it's your first child, isn't it? I mean, yeah. my daughter, she had, my daughter had colic and acid reflux and she just screamed continually. Like, obviously, I know it's not a, a learning disability, but people would say to my family, go, oh, like, that's, that's not normal. Like, that's not right for her to be crying that much. But I just thought, was well, my first child, like... I've never had a baby before. I just assume that this is what babies do. They just cry a lot. Everyone said they cried a lot. And I guess that's where you're coming from, isn't it? Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I moved house as well three months after she was born. So I sort of slipped through the cracks in terms of kind of healthcare. With the PDA, is it diagnosed with the autism? Or was the autism diagnosed first? Or how does that happen? Um, What was the process there? When this? This is the hard thing with PDA in a lot of counties in England and not actually recognised because it's not in the DSM-5 uh, medical journal, which has all the description of all the medical problems you can have. So it kind of seen as subjective or that it's not actually a real thing by some professionals and they won't diagnose it. So I'm in Hertfordshire and it's sort of gaining in momentum. It only really came into being in like the 1980s. People like started studying a group of autistic children and realised that there was sort of like this subset that were different in the way they displayed all their autistic traits. All the like medical journals and stuff are still kind of like behind and so it's not like filtered through. I mean like a lot of people know what autism is now but say maybe 20 30 years ago not a lot of people really understood or knew much about autism so with PDA it's sort of even further down but yeah in Hertfordshire they don't diagnose PDA but they give you as part of your autism diagnosis statement which includes with significant demand avoidance mm-hmm. and it's basically saying they have got PDA but we can't but we, officially we diagnose <laughs> yeah yeah so I hadn't actually heard of PDA when she'd been diagnosed but just based on everything I told them at the ADOS and um, all the input from um, her play group they diagnosed her with um, ASD with significant demand avoidance. I was going to ask what kind of help is there out there for children who have PDA once diagnosed um, what is the next step? Well this is the thing because um, PDA the strategies for it are quite different to the strategies you'd use for sort of normal autistic children. The key is to sort of work out whether it's PDA or not because you could be doing them more harm than good by using the strategies that are just for people that just have autism. So at the moment if you're diagnosed with PDA there isn't really much help at all so it's sort of self-educating really. There's a lot of websites and bloggers that are sort of growing in popularity. PDA Society, that's really informative. It's got lots of case studies and information. Luckily in Hertfordshire where I live, there's two prominent PDA bloggers, PDA Parenting and Steph's Two Girls. And Steph, I know she's been blogging for nearly 10 years now about it. So yeah, I followed them and I just bought loads of books did loads of sort of research. Becky, can you give us an example of how PDA sort of works? So for example, could you say to your daughter, right, it's time to go to bed now? Or Uh, she just completely defy it? Is that how (laughs) it's... Yeah, it's kind of 
well the strategies you have to use it's a lot of sort of indirect demands using sort of humor something novel so basically i'll say to her like do you want a drink or if i know she needs a drink i won't say to her would you like a drink or you need to have a drink i'll just maybe like get a drink myself and then she'll be like oh, i want one or um i'll sort of like give her a choice maybe of a few things that kind of takes the pressure off i'll just kind of go in the kitchen and start rattling things around she's like what are you getting what are you getting but yeah if i was to say to her have a drink she'll just be like no don't want one and she has had lots of issues with not drinking over the years i've tried so many different things like novel cup freezing things different drinks straws milkshake all sorts of things but it's kind of like if she doesn't want to do something she won't that must be really stressful in terms of like dehydration has she ever become poorly because of that yeah no she has like it's when she's ill particularly she'll drink sort of even less and then obviously the danger of dehydration and in the summer you know we've had all that hot weather so I always have to think of like a b c d different plans to get around it the sort of ice lollies sometimes just playing around with cups in the garden and she'll suddenly say oh can I have a cup of fresh water and she'll drink a bit and then play with it yeah it's just basically anything that you just automatically do normally you have to sort of flip it on its head think of other ways around instigating it but also pretend like you're not really that fussed either because they can sort of sense if you want them to do something and then it's that real reverse psychology sort of stuff definitely you have to be like almost trained SAS kind of (laughs) compliant person (laughs) they're they're sort of very intelligent and sneaky and know exactly what you're trying to do and they'll deploy like loads of different strategies like ignore you suddenly find something more interesting they'll just do anything in their power to get out of the thing they think you want them to do or they know they need to do right and how is she socially like used to go out or with her friends at school yeah i think where pda is different to autism is that they they have what's called like a surface sociability where they can use a lot of like techniques to make themselves look sociable but the lack of understanding and sort of the communication deficit is still there so with my daughter a lot of the way she interacts with people is by copying following so at school there's only one particular girl that she likes and she just basically mimics her behaviour and sort of mannerisms and she'll follow her around and she's just yeah very quiet at school just sort of blends into the background I think it's sad because she wants friends but she just kind of she lacks the skills to socialise which I guess is autism but yeah they can appear quite sociable but in fact they're not (laughs) if one of her friends wanted to do a game would she then defy that? Like, do you know what I mean? Um, Say, no, I don't want to play that game, as she would do my, with you Yeah, when she's at school, uh, she masks. But when she's at home, she lets it all out. So when she's at school, she'd be quite compliant. And she would just 
do what everyone was doing she wouldn't kind of like cause a fuss I know some PDA children are the opposite and they're just very aggressive and like it's my way or no way and at school she won't behave like that so even to the teachers she she does go along with what the teachers say yeah but when she gets home, she'll say to me, like, saying, say, I only wanted to play this game. I didn't want to play it. Can you ask them to oh. play the game I want to play? So she builds that up throughout the day. Yeah, so she stores it all sort of thing. And she'll sort of say, oh, I didn't want to do reading today. They made me do it. It's really boring. Why do we always do reading? And I know some PDA children will just literally say it like it is and just refuse to do the work. I think you get ones that are like that or ones that sort of mask, internalise it all. And then when they come out of school, it's like the Coke bottle that's been shook up all day and then they just explode when they get home. So, and is that, is that what it's like with you? Yes, it's quite aggressive and violent. When she's in school, does she have one-to-one support? This is another kettle of fish because we've not been very successful with school. Just before lockdown, she'd been on a reduced timetable for a year because although she was quiet and sort of compliant at school the anxiety surrounding going to school and coming home from school was so great it was like really impacting on her life and she was sort of school refusing she just needs a lot of support basically she has TA like a floating TA but she doesn't have an actual one-to-one just for her so at the moment I'm going through the EHCP process but I've also moved schools so she's going to start a much smaller school so I'm hoping like it will be a bit better for her okay Becky can I ask you something I read on your blog that you yourself as an adult would say that under as undiagnosed autism yeah I just think when you have an autistic child it kind of makes you reflect a lot on maybe what you were like when you were younger and things you've done and I've always sort of struggled with like my sort of mental health and particularly sort of social situations and um, just little things like I've been like quite a fussy eater and sort of health conditions I've had when reading about autism I've come across like a lot of literature on women with autism and the fact that a lot of women haven't been diagnosed and they kind of go under the radar I don't know I just a lot of it felt applicable to me I've since met other mums with autistic children and they're kind of yeah I think I probably have as well but it's sort of one of them things I think some people feel strongly and go and get diagnosed I did go to the doctors and mention that I thought I might be and I was given this sort of like really old questionnaire to fill in no (laughs) (laughs) they were just I filled it in and they were just like no you're not based on the questionnaire but I was just like oh right okay they were just sort of like oh devil's advocate even if you were what's it gonna help if you get diagnosed because you're sort of like an adult now so you're not gonna get any extra support or help sort of thing you've like coped okay so far so (laughs) how did you feel about that would you like Uh, to be diagnosed or do you think actually you kind of know in your heart that's where you're at um I think I know my heart I think I just I haven't told my daughter directly that she has autism but I suppose if I had it as well I could be like well you know I've had it but I've sort of done managed to like hold down a job and go to university and all this sort of stuff I just thought it might be like a positive thing yeah I think whether or not you've got that diagnosis Becky I think 
you you're her role model aren't you whatever and she'll see that as a positive how well you've done you know I think she'll she must really look up to you anyway I don't know (laughs) (laughs) someday no she will will. you're a strong woman Becky honestly I can sense it Um, I wanted to just also ask, has lockdown been for you and Elle, um, especially with the PDA, if you're saying to her, oh, you can't go outside, how how has she taken the whole COVID-19 news? I think I probably struggled more than her. She sort of conned on to like there was a virus and you can't do this and like toy shops are shut and the trampoline parks are shut and unfortunately... A lot of PDAs are quite how found anyway. I think anxiety about going out, sometimes overwhelmed doing anything. So a lot of parents with PDA children spend a lot of their time at home anyway. I think she's quite enjoyed not having school and just being able to kind of chill out. But I found it quite claustrophobic. See the demands don't dot so it is sort of 24 7 every day and, and do you have a support network well, i've moved back home with my mum and dad for some more support <laughs> becky thank you so much for coming on That's and okay. speaking to us about pda it it's just fascinating it's, it's something i really wanted to know more about and you've explained it so well harriet is in your life and thank you so much for coming on and, and telling us all about it oh, that's thank okay you, thank you That was Becky from PDA Bubble. Wow, Chris, that was really interesting, wasn't it? That was really, um, that was really interesting. And, I, you know, I salute Becky for really speaking out about PDA. And it's so difficult for the fact that not diagnosed, it's more implied with the autism. Yeah, that's um, mad, think, isn't it? That yeah. some counties that will be diagnosed in and some counties like in Hertfordshire, that's just mm. completely dismissed. Like, surely that should be like a whole national thing that, yeah, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, because I think it's just really difficult if, you know, there's a diagnosis to be had and it's been ignored. It's so hard on the parents because, like um, Becky said, she's self-educating herself on the, the matter. She's finding out about it and she's finding out how to, how to deal with it herself. And it would just be really great if there was professionals out there who could help in every area, not just some. Definitely. And I'm really glad that Becky has found that help with people in the Instagram community. And mm. I know we're on Instagram and also the podcast is on it. Instagram at Let's Talk Autism Podcast. And I do think there's so many great people on Instagram. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Christelle, right? I ain't as big social media. You know that I disappeared from social media when AWOL a good long time ago. Yes. From my personal accounts. It's only recently, really, that I've gone back on Instagram when I started blogging with the Cockney in the Countryside stuff. And obviously you started blogging with Guardians of the Precious that I sort of went back on Instagram. But there yes. really is so many people that just reached out like, look, I'm an autism mum. I'm a mum of a special educational needs child. And that community and that support on there, I've, I've found really valuable to my life. I really do. And there's people on there that I probably speak to more than my own mates. I mean, <laughs> yeah. not you because you haunt me and stalk me. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, there's people on there that are really good to connect with, isn't there? You know, and a good place because you and I both said there's friends that perhaps we could not 
not really speak to about things because yeah. they won't understand because they've not got children that have special needs. When you're on this journey and your child has autism or special educational need, it can be a lonely journey. It can be a really lonely journey. So it's all awesome that there is Instagram or, you know, social media family out there that people can touch base with and just, you know, share information, share feelings and, and all sorts. So No, it's really good, Christelle. I really enjoyed that chat with Becky and I thought she was really honest about her own autism, which she suspects yeah. that, she, that she is autistic herself. I thought that was very heartfelt and very honest of her to speak to us about that. I know yeah. Becky says that she doesn't blog anymore, but uh, she's at PDA Bubble on Instagram and I did read some of her blog posts and... Yeah, she's got some really good stuff on there. She is an amazing writer and I know she yeah. said that at the moment is not her time to be blogging, but hopefully one day she will blog again and if not, have a look over what she's written on there because some of her writing really, is really powerful. I agree. Christelle, I'm absolutely shattered. This late <laughs> night podcast recording, I tell you, it's taken it out of me. I don't okay. know how I'm going to get through the day tomorrow. I'm well, I hope you... you do get some sleep, hopefully. <laughs> it's aging me. You look the same as you did when we was in school. <laughs> you old charmer, you. <laughs> <laughs> I do try. <laughs> Best get going then, Christelle. I'm going to get to bed. Okay. <laughs> if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Let's Talk Autism podcast on Instagram and at Let's Talk Autism over on Twitter. Right. Okay. Tell our Christelle. I'll see you next okay. week. Have a good week. Have a good week, Chris. Bye. Bye. Everyone. See you later. Christelle, just a quick one. No. Tell me, was your favourite part of the chat tonight when I forgot to put a mute and then hold it? That was so funny. It's the most, the funniest thing that's happened all day. <laughs> Michelle thought she had put her mic on mute and was screaming at her kids. <laughs> and me and Becky could hear everything. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse, I reckon, yeah. No expletives were used.